of the Able Voice podcast, we welcome some of the Synergy Music Therapy and Wellness team to join in the Real Talk conversations, sharing about their experiences working within the field. You will hear from four of our teammates, Jessica Nielsen, Nicole Cordeau, Olivia Maggill, and Rebecca Armstrong. Jessica Nielsen is a certified music therapist, registered psychotherapist qualifying, and cognitive behavioral therapist living and working in Kingston, Ontario. Jessica works with clients through both music and talk therapy, and primarily works with people living with mental health struggles of all ages and with children who have been through adverse challenges and learning struggles. She is passionate about advocating for equality. Also living and working in Kingston is Nicole Cordeau, MMT and MTA. Nicole is passionate about promoting mental health and well-being through the use of music and helping people connect and reconnect with their musical selves, all the while embracing a trauma-informed approach. Olivia Maviel is a certified music therapist currently providing virtual music therapy sessions through Synergy. Singing is her favorite thing to do. When she isn't singing, Olivia enjoys playing guitar, going camping, and spending time at the cottage. She believes that music plays an important role in health, and she is passionate about using music as a tool to support the well-being of her clients. And Rebecca Armstrong is a board-certified music therapist currently based in Bermuda. She has over four years of experience working with infants, children, and teens, primarily in children's hospitals across the United States. Rebecca is trained in NICU music therapy, end-of-life care, palliative care, and early childhood development. She is passionate about using music to connect with kids and bring about positive change. We are grateful to share this space and to engage in such open and honest conversations with these wonderful humans. And we can't wait for you to join us. So let's jump right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Able Voice podcast with Kim and Haley. Hello. Today, we are so thrilled to have a lovely, candid conversation with some of the beautiful people on our Synergy team right now. So maybe we'll just introduce who we have here to start, and then we'll just jump in and see where the conversation takes us. I'll give names and you can just say hello if you'd like. So we have Jessica Nielsen here. Hi. Olivia Maviel. Hello, hello. Rebecca Armstrong. Hello. And Nicole Cordell. Hello. So we are so stoked to just gather in this space. We try to meet as a team, but uh, every once in a while, but we haven't in a while. So I'm my heart is full just to see these faces on the screen and to get to get to know each other even better through conversation. In light of that, we love starting our podcast episodes with getting a chance to hear about each individual's journey to music therapy. We can kind of just pass the mic, if you will, share a little bit 
about your journey to becoming a practicing music therapist, whatever, however you interpret that. Yeah, I can start us off. This is Jessica, um, and I'm from Kingston, Ontario, Canada. I, I like to say I took the long way, <laughs> and I, I did um, music composition first, flute performance. Then I went back to school for early childhood education and then took the music psychotherapy program at Wilfrid Laurier and then did CBT further schooling for talk therapy. So right now in Kingston, I work as a full-time registered psychotherapist qualifying at at, with talk therapy and I work part-time with Synergy as a music therapist so but I did have the beginning of my journey after graduating with um, five years of music therapy work so it's been a, such a pleasure to see how this journey evolves naturally and I am so enjoying working with Synergy um, it's been great. The contracts are wonderful. And yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the next path of it as we move to the next season. On to me, <laughs> Olivia. Yeah, awesome. Well, firstly, I just want to say I'm so excited to be on this podcast because I'm kind of obsessed with it. I <laughs> do a lot of driving, um, so I'm always listening to it in my car. And it's crazy to me that I'm on it right now. So hello everyone. <laughs> My journey to becoming music therapist. Um, I do remember in high school in careers class reading uh, that I was, it was recommended that I become a therapist. Um, so that was kind of, I guess the first thought that I had of, you know, this might be a good path for me. Um, so I ended up going actually to Western University for a couple of years uh, studying Kind of general arts. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, um, but I took a bunch of psychology courses and I really liked that. Um, but I was just always obsessed with singing um, ever since I was young. So I feel like I just, I kept kind of chasing that even when I wasn't studying singing um, and it just wouldn't leave me alone. I was like, I need to find a career where I can sing and do music. Um, so I ended up hearing about the program at Wilfrid Laurier and um, I ended up leaving Western and switching over there um, to do my bachelor's. So, um, yeah, I'm loving the work now. I've been a, a registered music therapist for a few years. So, uh, yeah, it's been a been a journey. <laughs> the journey continues. <laughs> Um, this is Rebecca. I had a similar situation um, to Olivia where I heard about uh, music therapy um, in a school setting. I was in high school and someone came to present. Um, and luckily enough, there was an amazing degree program at Florida State in Florida at the time. Um, so I received my bachelor's there um, and then worked in Florida for almost a year and a half and then worked in California for about four years um, and now I'm so lucky to have met, found, discovered Haley and music therapy here in Bermuda. Um, so it is yeah quite a roller coaster, um, unpredictable path that I have found myself on but it is um, what a cool um, testament to music therapy, being able to be a part of that um, the whole way. Um, and so, uh, yeah, now music therapist since 2017 and still enjoying it um, every day. This is Nicole speaking. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a baby music therapist. Uh, I just actually just got my certificate in the mail today. So yay me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so my journey to music therapy 
I just graduated uh, from my master's in of music therapy uh, from Laurier in August, but I'm originally from Kingston, Ontario. And uh, I started, I did a bachelor of music in piano at Queens at first. And um, I was feeling kind of, I loved music. I loved playing. I loved teaching. It's feeling a little bit lost going into my third year. I don't think I ever told Kim this, but we were working on a community project unrelated to music therapy where I first met Kim. And she said that she was a music therapist. And I was like, what, what is that? That's the first time I heard about it. <laughs> that kind of got the gears turning and through some of my own uh, personal healing work and mental health things that I've gone through has kind of led me to this path and combining sort of my own healing with my love of music. Now I'm working again in Kingston with Kim and it's been really great. Thank you everyone so much for sharing. Ugh, I always get these little like, I don't know if it's butterfly, like good butterflies around my heart. You know, you normally get them in the stomach, but I can like feel them in my heart when I hear people's journeys. And it's just so nice to hear. I've heard some of your stories, but I feel like I pick out a, a different little piece each time we hear it. And, you know, there's this theme of, I think Olivia said, the journey continues. And I think that's true constantly. And I'm so grateful to get to journey with you. And Nicole, I, I didn't know that that was the first time. I knew we had talked a little bit about it when you were considering it, but I didn't know that that was the first time you'd ever heard of it. So that's kind of cool. Way to advocate, Kim. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> And what, how better is the music therapy field now for having you, Nicole, and us as a team? So that's awesome. I also love that you brought up your own kind of mental health journey and self-care in a way has led you to this field. And when I think about the work that we do collectively, um, individually, just in this profession, we give a lot of ourselves to other people and it takes a lot of energy at times and sometimes we need that reminder that self-care is important and in order to show up as our best selves for other people we have to remind ourselves to to have those routines in place so that we can be that for others so we started to introduce this question lately to people that were coming onto the podcast just as an interesting, fun little icebreaker to see what kinds of music you have in your life right now and bringing it back to the music and how we're using it for ourselves outside of our work as music therapists. If you have an important song that's on your playlist right now, we'd love to know what that is and why it's important for you in this season. I have a short drive um, after my therapy work and working five to six days as a, as a therapist. Self-care is always on my mind and um, transitioning from work to home life and the next thing. So I have been using, I wouldn't call it a song, it's a, a piece, I, I guess, um, called Crystal Silence by Chick Corea um, from the album Return to Forever. And it's seven minutes. And I listened to it on my way home to kind of reset after an eight-hour day of being a therapist. And it seems to work. <laughs> it's worked for me for the past eight years. So, yeah, that's my special piece that I listen to, to, to move to the next thing. That was lovely. I'm excited to listen to that one, Jessica. Um, 
I do a lot of driving, as I said. So um, it's funny because kind of what Haley was saying, our work can be, you know, a little bit exhausting. We give a lot of ourselves. And I think musically, too, um, we can kind of feel exhausted by sounds and, and music in general. Um, so sometimes I just... I'm driving home and I just want silence. Um, actually, quite frequently that happens. Um, but I find there's there's one artist that always kind of reignites that that spark for me, um, that initial spark I've always had of that love for music. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of them, Tash Sultana, um, one of my favorite artists, great guitarist. Um, so there's a song called Jungle that I always go back to. Um, uh, there's a concert that I went to a couple summers ago and it was one of those really healing experiences at that concert. Um, so I can kind of just return to that place um, and yeah, reignite that, that love for my own music, you know, outside of the, the music I'm constantly learning for, for my clients. I think it's important to, to have our own, our own important music too. So yeah, I would definitely recommend Tash Sultana. I hope that we can link these or list these somewhere, um, because I would love to, to hear all of them too. Um, my, a song that I've been going back to this year, it's called Nobody Else by Prana, P-R-A-A-N-A. It's a little bit of a stretch on the lyrics, but for me, how it feels in the main chorus is, um, talking about, I, now I feel nothing but lightness, finding every moment is mine. It's timeless. I want more and I'm going to find it for nobody else but me. For me, it's kind of this song like grounding me back in who I am. Um, I can be a, a bit of an anxious thinker. And I think as we're all talking, working with people and wanting to give of ourselves, um, we do that a lot and sometimes maybe too much. And um, just with all of the transitions that I've had in my life over the last year, this song always makes me feel reinvigorated, energized, um, happy, and kind of reminds me of just the lightness of this life. It's heavy and also um, to enjoy and just have that joy in every moment. So. I also hope we can link these because I forgot to write down one of them as you guys were saying it. And I was very disappointed in myself. So I want to, yeah, <laughs> I'm very interested. I'm also the same as you, Olivia, sometimes on a drive, even though I wanted like do that for myself, I almost don't want to listen to anything because it's almost too much. Yeah. So for right now, mostly because I've been accompanying this with like a steady walk <laughs> after work. I've been listening to a lot of Renee Rapp. She's, I don't know if you know who she is, but she was originally um, one of the, she was Regina George on Mean Girls, got kind of into a dark hole and stalked her for a minute. She took out some music and she has this new song and it's called Bruises. And I just really, I first liked it because it was just upbeat, nice, like girl pop kind of stuff. But I really enjoyed the lyrics because I really identified with them. Just talked about kind of like, just because you can't always see those bruises. She talks about how if you turned her inside out, you would see all of them and how she bruises really easily. So sometimes I find it really easy for me to kind of shut off and put on a face, especially if I have to go see certain clients and that's what you have to do sometimes. But it's like teaching me to kind of like honor that and look to the inside and have I bruised today and yeah, how I can deal with that. So it's one of those um, upbeat songs like the beat veils the actual message. So you can listen to it in very different ways. 
the beauty of recordings is that we can listen back and hear all of these songs. And yeah, I think we'll definitely link them because I too want to listen to that. We just made like our own little playlist there. <laughs> and I, I resonate so much with the reasoning behind each of those explanations. And I think, I mean, I know for myself and I think a lot of people have, you know, those different intentions behind the types of songs that we're listening to, whether it's the grounding song, whether it's the travel song, whether it's, you know, the music really connects within a certain time in my life. Great to hear us talk about this in this context, because absolutely we give so much of this energy to the people that we're working with and choosing songs for them and with them. Yeah, it's nice to hear how we can do that for ourselves. While we're on the topic of songs, I had a, such a, a weird experience this week um, oh. on TikTok <laughs> of all places. And, and two thoughts are coming to my head right now. One is I kept seeing this video across my TikTok feed of people warning us not to go and watch uh, Louis Capaldi's new song, Before You Go, like the music video for it, if you don't want to have an intense emotional reaction. And I think I might have shared it with you, Kim. <laughs> um, but I didn't listen. And I went and I watched the video. <laughs> and I just, it's the power of uh, telling a story through music. I think that is so powerful and something that we use to our benefit all the time as therapists, but when we think about using it for ourselves, it reminded me, shoot, like I could really use this for myself as like a way to, to be cathartic and to let go of any of the things that I'm trying to process and deal with through connecting in my own songwriting. And I know in each uh, of our individual ways, we have this connection to music. We understood our relationship with music before becoming a therapist, before choosing to become a therapist. So reminding ourselves of that uh, beauty and that connection. And then also there's another song right now that's going viral on TikTok and I haven't been able to get it out of my head. And it's the if I were a fish and you caught me, you say, look at that fish. <laughs> it's just such a beautiful message of empowerment and beauty and finding your own voice, even if you're somebody that is unique and different and not the beauty standard or, you know, not somebody who is popular in, in the terms of, you know, what the, the standards that the world sets for us. It's okay to be different and embrace that uniqueness. So that has been a song that has been like ruminating in my head and especially seeing all the young kids that are listening to it right now. Um, and seeing like I could have used a song like that when I was little. It's just such a beautiful, uplifting song. And I like that power of music can bring that um, full circle and bring it around for, for us to be able to connect with other people and the stories that are meaningful. I, I love that that in particular because I'd seen the initial video where they were sharing that song and like many songs, it it came out of a place of vulnerability and it was a friend being upset about everything that you just said, Haley, and another one, you know, bringing that light of let's just make something silly. Let's just like put it out there. And uh, that really connects with me because I love songwriting so much. And I 
love storytelling and I love getting to go on that journey in the music and how cathartic it is for me when I'm processing things or celebrating things. And one of my favorite interventions to use in music therapy as well um, with individuals that I work with. So I love being able to see how someone, you know, people come into a session, they're like, have you ever written a song? And they're like, no, I'm not a musician. And then you write this cool song and then you see like them taking ownership and taking empowerment of the story and allowing it to flow through them into the music and then having that takeaway. And it's just a really beautiful experience. And I think that, you know, we see those transformations and we see those meaningful moments in a lot of different ways in music therapy and the work that we do. And that's just one tiny glimmer that came to mind for me. Um, There's a billion things that I love about music therapy. And I think, you know, well, as we have said, it's exhausting work at times. It's a lot to carry, but it's those, um, those glimmers and those positives that keep us coming back to the work or keep us, you know, staying engaged and being able to do the work that we do. And so I'm curious if there are any other, you know, glimmers that come to mind for you of what, what are the things that you love most about the profession or essentially why is it that you do the work that you like to do? <laughs> Jessica here. Um, yeah, the, the, I've been seeing, I'm not cool enough to use TikTok, Haley, but I do use the ye old Instagram and there's so many great music therapy uh, channels that I follow and there's been a lot of really creative ways of using if I were a fish with ocean drums and um, picking scarves out of baskets just to help incorporate that song so I, I've been really enjoying those too <laughs> yeah um, and creativity of course getting to use that in our jobs that we we're all creative people and ex- helping others express that side of them is is a great part of the job and we get to use our voices and and music to do that so it just makes it so easy to um to talk about therapy work like sometimes in talk therapy I use games and I and I use the medium of music because it's it's an icebreaker it's something that we love to talk about and it's accessing that that side that sometimes people have to hold in all day you know when we're doing those um day-to-day things so yeah, I guess that's part of it. And I also love those, what what a lot of people outside of the music therapy profession call miracle moments, I guess. Um, when, when someone appears to come out of um, just what how they normally present in a way that's so different and animated. I, I guess I'm referring to if um, in long-term care home, I hear that the most, but there's a lot of different cases and, and music, it's just so easy to to connect with someone it it really does break those barriers and you do see a lot of connection um that way so yeah thank you for allowing me to share that it's nice to talk about the parts we love kind of going off what kim said just those glimmers those moments um i hold on to those a lot on my in my day-to-day um work life uh, i actually have a list of like quotes that either, you know, clients or caregivers have said that have really stuck with me. Um, Some of them being like, music is medicine, even, you know, like to have a client say that to you. um, It's like, you understand what I'm doing and and what this, what this all is for. Um, So yeah, I think those moments, um, even if I'm having like a really hard day and I'm, 
you know, exhausted, no job is going to be every day, um, you know, super excited about everything you're doing, but, um, just to return to those moments or, or, um, you know, those sparkles, those glimmers that you see in clients, um, of course makes it, you know, such a wonderful profession for me. Um, on a more logistical side, I love, uh, like creating my own schedule and, um, being able to kind of create that own work-life harmony, um, or work-life balance. Um, that's been really, really wonderful for me. And, and I feel like I'm at the point where I couldn't see myself, um, doing it any other way, just because I, I've come to a point where I think I really know like what I need out of my schedule and what's best for me. So I think it's amazing that, um, we're in a profession that allows us to, um, create that for ourselves. So yeah, <laughs> that's the, the more touchy feely sentimental part that I love and the more logistical part as well that I love. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you, Olivia, having come from working in a hospital setting, so like a full-time, you know, Monday through Friday sort of situation, and now being in a build-your-own schedule, um, you know, certain days have this, certain days have that, it is a bit freeing, and I never knew that maybe this is what... Um, well, and you never know what time you are, what season you are um, in your life either, but it has been really nice, um, really refreshing to get that change of pace and um, have more time to do other things, but still have that meaningful work in my in my life. So I agree, the flexibility is great. And I think, what do I love about music therapy? I think it's those miracle moments, um, just like Jess was saying. I think it's, to me, it's just, um, continually humbling the intimacy and, you know, not in the intimacy just of you being a person and someone else being a person and you both being vulnerable there through the music, in the music. Um, there are just some moments that I'll never forget. Um, and they might not even have they might not seem so important, but in that moment, you both knew it was important. Um, and so I think just always honored to be able to have those moments with people. I feel very lucky and I feel like I'm the one who's gaining so much, um, from those moments. And so, yeah, those, that I guess I'm being very vague, but I think it's because, but you all know what that's like because you've had them. Um, so those are the, those are the things that keep, keep you going. Similar to what you were saying, Rebecca, also in terms of schedule, I, I enjoy that as well. <laughs> um, but in terms of the miracle moments, of course, we've all had our version of those, but I've been, you know, kind of thinking about how to appreciate what happens in between that, because as music therapists, a lot of the time, like a lot of, we have to kind of almost prove why we are important, or we feel like we have to prove that to a client or a caregiver that might just be coming into the session or wanting to be there. So it feels like you're almost like auditioning sometimes. Uh, that's the way, like, that's what I would compare it to. Um, but I just kind of have to think about yeah, how we're two people, like you were saying, and that we're sharing a moment. And even if the person who's observing or, you know, we might, it might not be a miracle moment at that point. That's so obvious. Like there's still a lot of important things that happen there. And our connection is probably the most important thing to come from that. Even if there's some good or, you know, some moment of 
either, I don't know, happiness or creative sort of thing that comes out of that. I'm losing my words. That's important too. So yeah, that's been a journey for me to accept, but that's also, I've been noticing even more beautiful moments in between when I'm not trying to almost chase those miracle moments as like a big finale to a, sh- to a show. I'm liking this picture of these miracle moments because we all know what they are. And I think that's what sells music therapy to the larger, you know, communities of people when they're investing in music therapy they're also latching on to those miracle moments that they've seen through the media or, you know, through the social media stories that got put out. All of these things, I think, encapsulate what we're talking about, those very obvious and apparent moments within therapy. But like you said, Nicole, there's a lot that happens that might not be so obvious. Or like you said, Rebecca, that maybe in that moment, only the two of you in that space we're aware of just how meaningful that can be um, toward your goals within therapy and all of those are so special (laughs) and those are the things that help to keep us going and there's an analogy about um I'm not a farmer so I and I can't keep plants alive we've had this discussion as a team before (laughs) Um, we have very you know opposed talents uh, when it comes to keeping plants alive on this team. So I don't feel so alone in in my experience. Um, (laughs) But uh, there's this analogy of crop growing. And sometimes when crop grows, um, weeds grow along with it. And there are certain stages of plant growth where it would be more detrimental to take out the weeds if you want the crop to grow to its fullest potential. And so you have to let the two grow together for a certain period of time in order to get to that greatest result. And so for me, that's a lot like music therapy. There are these really great moments that we are aspiring to, um, but along the way, there are also some of those weeds or you know those not so great or challenging moments that we have to also um, we have to face within our journey. And so I'm wondering if you can share some of the challenges that you've had working as a music therapist. I'm still a bit stunned by what a great analogy that was, but (laughs) I I don't mind being a bit vulnerable that I think feeling secure a bit as a music therapist um, financially and running my own business has been hard for me. I I thought (laughs) when I was in school, like, oh, like, because I know it works. It's worked on, I've had my own music therapy journey um, on myself through guided imagery and music. And I, I know it works in my aunt's music therapist. I like, I believe in it a hundred percent, but um, actually doing the job, it can be a really good work-life balance. And sometimes contracts end and because we don't want people to be in therapy forever. And, and, you know, it's, we, it's changing a lot what our day-to-day looks like sometimes. And for me, going to school all the time, I needed a steady income so uh, sometimes because music therapy isn't government funded or considered a core service unfortunately um in 
Canada, Ontario, at least. Um, I I think like it's not paid under like it's, it's a lot of time contract work. So that's been hard for me um, to feel secure sometimes. Um, I think things are getting better, but yeah, and and it's a work the whole field is working on. But yeah, to me, that's personally something that's been hard. Thanks for sharing that, Jessica. I really like these conversations too. I know you've had them before on the Able Voice podcast, Haley and Kim, and I feel like it's so important to hear from other music therapists about their challenges um, because there are many, as I'm sure we all know. Um, And Haley did say earlier, you know, there's those miracle moments. And I think we like to think of music therapy as this, you know, one big miracle moment, but there, of course, are a lot of, uh, a lot of hard moments too. I definitely echo what Jessica is saying with, you know, financial security, um, income security, you know, it's, I remember graduating and my mom asking me like, so have you looked on a deed? Like, have you been applying to all these like career music therapy careers? I'm like, that's not, let me show you, let me pull up indeed and I'll search music therapist, no results. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, the jobs are out there, but I find a lot of the time it's through, you know, connections or people, you know, and things like that. So it takes a little more hustling, um, than I think I was prepared for, but, uh, that's also been a really great growing experience. Um, I think some challenges I've found is just the traveling around to many locations. Um, actually the, the traveling itself, I find like a lot more tiring than the work. Um, so I've kind of been trying to to pick up more virtual work and, you know, um, cut down a bit more of that, that tiring driving and, and, uh, carting all of our heavy stuff around. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I think, uh, one last point I'll make too, is just, um, the extra time outside of work hours, um, that we need to put in to learn music and, to, you know, prepare session plans. And I think sometimes, uh, that can be stressful if, you know, maybe we, uh, maybe we don't feel super, um, prepared. And then that stress of, you know, feeling like we're going into an audition as Nicole put it, um, and not feeling ready for it. So sometimes that can be, uh, that can be tough. So, um, I'm sure in the beginning years, even more so once, you know, you build up your repertoire and things like that, it's a little easier, but, um, yeah, <laughs> that was long winded, but, but as you see, there's, there's lots of challenges, but it's all worth it. Yeah, I agree. I think the session planning and the rep building and it, it's really tough because that's not client time, right? That's not patient, patient facing time. Um, and it's tricky. Um, but also it is what, makes the sessions so effective. So it's a really hard balance. I feel like that kind of segues into my um, toughest challenges challenge. And I would say almost just that idea of boundaries. It's a great, I feel like buzzword now and has been for the last few years and will be forever. But um, I think in many different areas, I think we always want to advocate for what we do and we want to do it all. And we want to take on every project because um, I think also a lot of us in this field, that's what we do. We want, we want to give, we want to help, we want to show up. And even for families, right? What even is realistic? How many times can I see you if I have 30 other families on the floor? And 
I think um, as I worked longer in the field, I realized all those other music therapists were right when they said, okay, but just, you know, be careful, you know, manage what you're taking on. And um, how are you going to navigate that in next month? How are you going to navigate that in a year? Um, And so I think that idea of that internal struggle of us wanting to give and do and be all, but also we aren't all and the world will continue spinning without us. And um, so just those boundaries and dealing with those, all those feelings, and even just that idea of your worth as a person and as a professional um, is not tied to what you, what you do um, always. And so, yeah, very general, but um I think, yeah, it has to do with a lot of different aspects of practice. So, yeah, I think I'll echo pretty much everything everyone is saying. And also as like someone fairly new to the profession, um, I definitely feel that balance of what is client time and what is my own time and um, finding it really hard to set that boundary um, because also, I'm sure everybody can relate to this as students. <laughs> it's hard to get out of that. Like as a, as a non-student now, it's really hard to get out of that mindset of like, when do I do my homework and when am I actually in class? And I think too much of the prep time and everything like that as my homework. So it's easy for me to put that on my own time and not put it within the workday and fill up on other client time and things like that. So I think that's a journey for everybody and everybody's boundaries will look different and comparing like yourself to someone else, either in your profession or in another profession is not helpful. So I've been learning to do that because sometimes you're like, well, this person can do it all. How come I can't, what's wrong with me? You have to kind of, so I'm towing that line. I'm not perfect at it. I'm really good at setting retroactive boundaries instead of proactive. But if I could, yeah, one of the biggest struggles for me, which might be something different, has been kind of like not having a a home, if that makes sense, (laughs) kind of to echo what Olivia was saying, you're going from place to place. And often um, for me, and this might just be a me thing, I'm not sure like when you're going into a facility, for example, and you're there for a contract, a lot of people who are there might not know who you are or what you do. You kind of feel in the way. Or even when you have to do any sort of documentation, things like that, you kind of feel, oh, like I'm going to step away here. So I do a lot of what I consider mouse moments in my car (laughs) where I'll like eat my food or something. So yeah, not having any, like always having colleagues or things like that um, around you unless you make the effort to really advocate and explain your role um, is has been difficult for me because sometimes I don't always want to be an advocate, but that's part of, you know, what I have to do when I go into a new place. So I'm working on that and putting my best foot forward when meeting other healthcare professionals and other uh, peers around in new places. Thousand million bajillion times yes to all of that. I can very confidently say I connect with each of those struggles and have in the past and still continue to navigate them. Um, And I think most people, most music therapists that I've spoken to have that balance of, you know, 
like you were all saying, setting those boundaries and um, trying to find that life-work harmony and trying to learn so that we can be our best selves in sessions and advocating. And it sounds to me like a theme of the field asking us to do a lot in all areas of it. And I, I like most careers, you know, you have to work to build them up, but you know, for financial stability, it's on us to either secure um, an employee position that has benefits or to advocate and reach out and build those contracts. And in that case, you know, are we sometimes um, sacrificing, you know, or having to choose between that freedom of caseload that we were talking about versus the financial stability and prioritizing that or, you know, wanting to work that nine to five instead of coming home and doing case notes or learning songs. And yeah, you know, it was mentioned that it gets easier as you have a bigger repertoire, but every individual person is so unique that we are never not going to have to learn a new song. There will always be at some point in our life where a client has a, a, a type of music or a genre of music or a connection that we aren't familiar with, which I find very exciting, but also extremely overwhelming <laughs> to know that we have to come home and, and keep, you know, just keep on our toes that way. So it, it sounds like, sounds like a common thread of, you know, set it, needing to set those boundaries and having so much on our shoulders and advocating for the work we do, but also having to find ways to advocate for ourselves. I don't know that more education necessarily will fix all of these problems, but I do think that someone said that you came into the field not expecting a certain element of, of, of the work, um, like needing to go and fight for those contracts or be so active in that realm or have the right connections. But I think for me, there were a lot of elements that I came in and I was like, oh, I don't think I learned this, or I don't think that I managed expectations appropriately. And so with some of these challenges in mind, or with your journeys to date in mind, I'm wondering if there is anything that you wish you knew about the profession before you started practicing, whether it was, you know, before you went to school or during school, or just before you came into the field as a practicing therapist. I think knowing that a lot of examples a music therapy are through voice and piano and like what we would call or guitar instruments we use a lot. I think it's uh, using flute is my main instrument. Um, I think knowing that it's okay to continue on in that instrument um, has really helped me feel like I do better work as a therapist because it's the instrument that I am the most uh, effective at communicating with and I was very lucky to go into the music psychotherapy program at, at Laurier the master's with Dr. Colin Lee who really encouraged that and I think I'm a better therapist because of that and have continued to use my main instrument um, so yeah I think if you're going into the profession it is, you do, I do always have a guitar with me, a piano if I can wrangle it up and all the shakers I can carry, but yeah, the flute's light and I like using it because clients love to hear it as well pre-COVID times. And I think using it, yeah, gives the best client experience. Um, and I also wanted to say <laughs> back to the challenges because I thought of another one. Um, <laughs> just like when you when I was transitioning to becoming a registered psychotherapist qualifying. It was very 
if you're not grandparented, <laughs> and I can see some of my colleagues laughing, um, the, the competency mapping and this journey of a lot of thousand hours of um, work has been very long. And <laughs> I'm still working on becoming a full RP just because of music therapy work being accepted as a psychotherapist. And I think a lot of your listeners might have that um, might be able to talk on that too. So I wanted to mention that. I mean, going back to that weeds kind of analogy, right? They come together. I, I resonate with that. I mean, you and I have had many a conversations and venting sessions about the CRPO and, and getting that process. And so knowing those things um, coming into it or, or having the conversation um, is important. It, yeah, it was me earlier mentioning um, upon graduating and finishing school, I didn't realize how much uh, I had to be ready to hustle and really, you know, put myself out there, really um, search and, and do, you know, lots of the, the heavy lifting in that sense. Um, which I think, you know, if you have patience, the, I've realized just over time, you know, your caseload builds up and it's just really hard, I think, right at first. Um, but something too that I wanted to mention um, that you've brought up in the past on your podcast as well, but kind of that that balance between wanting to be a therapist and wanting to do this amazing work. And, you know, we didn't necessarily go into it for the money or for financial reasons, but um, we still do deserve to make a good living, you know, and, and I think you can find both of those things. You just have to search for that. And something for me, I think, was like the wage transparency when I graduated was it wasn't really something that you know, we talked about a lot. And I fortunately had a few friends who just actually came out and said, um, you know, can people just throw out there, uh, you know, what your wage looks like? I just, for myself and for my future goals, I just want to know like what other people, what it looks like. And that sometimes maybe feels a little taboo to talk about. Um, but I think that really, really helped me just to get a sense of, you know, in music therapy, there's a wide variation of, of wages and, um, based on the living I want to make for myself, you know, I don't want to be driven to, to wanting to leave the field because I can't achieve, you know, the life that I, I want for myself. And, and I hate that for some therapists, I think they leave the field for that reason. So I think, you know, asking those questions and having, you know, that community around you that you can trust and it's not, it doesn't have to be a taboo thing to really build that um, or start taking steps towards building that life in this career that you really, really see for yourself and making that dream happen without, you know, crying, crying every week because you, you know, can't pay your bills. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I like to think that you can find both. Something that I wish I knew or, and I think I was told, but I think really just knew more, um, was that those, again, going back to those miracle moments, et cetera, seeing your mentors and seeing your internship supervisors and your role models for music therapy, knowing that not every session will look like that. And going back to what you were saying, Nicole, about um, there are so many beautiful moments in between and um even and there are some bad ones i walk out of the room i'm like i don't i don't know what i just did but also acknowledging it's it's really not all about us either um but i think i can be and i don't know if anyone else can be a little bit self critical and when you don't maybe when you don't have that miracle moment or you know that that little one 
was about to say that word, but maybe you played the wrong chord. And so then the cue was off or something like that. Um, I think that that's normal and that we're all human and that, um, you know, those role models probably were in our spot. Maybe not, but, um, you know, at, at one point they were human too. Um, and I, I think that I wish there would have been a little bit more emphasis on that. The realistic expectations, obviously we have our competencies and we absolutely need you know to be at that caliber and what that will look like in a session as a year one, year three, year five music therapist. Um, so I just, I think that should be talked about a little bit more and just as a form of encouragement rather than, wow, I'm seeing these amazing things happen. Why isn't it happening with me or for me or, and that, but see, that's the issue. It's not for us, is it? Um, but it's still all in all, um, just a little bit more, uh, calling out of that and that imposter syndrome. Yeah, I can totally resonate with that. Also, a lot of the things that I'm comparing to are highlight rules of what's happening. Um, like I think about of the Instagram <laughs> music therapy, whatever people are like putting out there or advertising are those miracle moments. So I need to remember that, like you said, it's not always going to be like that, but I think this is kind of similar to what I was saying before, but I, what I wish somebody had told me is kind of the, I hope I'm saying like kind of the feeling a little bit of isolation that happens when you first start out working. Um, and I mean, we do have, like these meetings. And I do, um, like to connect with some of you that are in Kingston as well, but you know, when you're working week to week, that doesn't happen as often as I'm just coming off of a program where I got to see the same people every single day. And I got to work with other like music therapists as co-therapists very often. And I think coming away from that and then doing a lot, like going it alone now is, yeah, has been a weird and difficult transition. And you really, really have to work to connect with the community and you really have to make an effort. And because it's, it's not always very natural and uh, the creative burden sometimes that that sets on us, I find is a little difficult because I feel like my creativity uh, came a lot from meeting with peers so often and learning from other people but sometimes if you might not talk to another music therapist for a few weeks or you know be able to see like you feel kind of creatively stuck so that's yeah that's something that I wasn't completely anticipating even though I heard that from a lot of people um but I'm working hard and staying connected and trying <laughs> to do that I think these are all such important messages it's almost through those experiences that we're able to help other people that might be feeling the same and validate their experiences as well. I mean, there's still such a long way for the profession to grow, but also for us as music therapists, I think we are all like, we are a very dynamic team and uh, Kim and I are very proud of the fact that we have such creative and creative people with, with such organic talents that you each bring to the table such something incredibly different and the life experiences that you have have led you here which uh we're grateful to share with one another but like you said Nicole sometimes the profession itself is still very isolating you're you're working on your own a lot I know that there are some people that are blessed to have the opportunity to work 
as co-therapists and that can often provide some support. Um, and then, you know, we have supervision where you can, you know, connect with that supervisor, but they're still not with you all the time. And you're having to still go and seek that for yourself and take that initiative. So I think it's really important to highlight, you know, the importance of being able to find community and to find support um, that will help you to maintain, you know, your own sense of identity within this profession. Uh, So thank you all for, for sharing those points. I think we could probably talk about this for (laughs) another hour (laughs) Uh, and there's lots. And I think we'll continue to debrief this as a team and something that we'll continue to have regular conversations about because we don't want to shy away from these things. And we want to make sure that everyone's needs are met and and your voices are heard and your experiences are, are validated and that we can work toward, you know, maybe improving some of those challenges Um, And then maybe share our voices for the wider profession nationally, locally, wherever we are located to have some of those systemic challenges shifted as well, Um, because it is bigger than us. Like you said, Rebecca, it's bigger than synergy. It's bigger than um, sometimes the music therapy profession itself. So there are are so many things to continue to work on. Olivia, I think you said the journey continues (laughs) and that couldn't be more true. So I wonder if we can like rapid fire. We've said so much already, but if there's anything that you can think of really quickly, that would be a hope for the future of music therapy. Such a big question. You can narrow it down to like one word if you want to, but if you have more to share, please feel free uh, just to share some of your hopes. I think music therapists should be paid and employed under existing healthcare budgets because we work really well, like Nicole was saying, as a team. I would just say lately I've been reflecting on all the music therapists before us who have worked so hard to get us to where we are right now. Um, you know, just endless advocacy, especially when people had no idea, no idea what it was. We still feel like people have no idea what it was, but that must have been a whole other battle. So I just want to really, you know, be thankful for those who did that legwork before us. Um, so grateful that this is a field and it is recognized by so many places. And I think there's just a journey, journey, journey. As you said, Haley, there's more legwork to be done. So um, I think just let that advocacy continue. I know that's a core pillar of synergy as well. So um, yeah, just, I hope that advocacy continues. How about insurance coverage? Woo! (laughs) I think, well, there is in some places, but more widespread, I think would be just increased accessibility and affordability and all those good things. More advocacy, more opportunity for connection, and also more opportunity for connecting with other healthcare professions and things like that, because I think that's where we learn the most. If not um, what Jessica was saying, somebody give us some business courses or something (laughs) also, because I feel like we're kind of thrown in the deep end in that way too. And some more like diversity and realistic education when it comes to uh, music therapy education programs and courses and things like that. Um, but obviously that's ever changing. Um, 
I'm not sure what the music therapy world is going to look like a year, if not 10 years from now. So yeah, advocacy, advocacy, advocacy. I, I love that. You know, we don't know what it's going to look like, but hopefully by having these conversations and by not shying away from it and by putting those hopes out there, all of your hopes are so beautiful. And I think, you know, if I close my eyes and I think of a world where all of those are implemented, what a force to reckon, to be reckoned with, um, what a wonderful space that would create what, <laughs> what would our world look like with some more access to those services in which we're able to feel sustained and, you know, have that coverage and all of the good things. So I just want to give a big, 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 the biggest thank you I possibly can to each of you for joining us this evening and for sharing and being vulnerable and, um, you know, just engaging in these conversations. I hope that we will continue to debrief this as a team. I hope that we will continue to have these conversations in this space and other spaces and journey together and see what it, what it brings. Thank you for listening to the Able Voice podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Synergy Music Therapy. You can also find links to our most recent and top-rated episodes on our website at www.synergymusictherapy.com.